special from the Cain men. Joshua chapter 7, look at, we're going to read some that we've already dealt with, in, beginning in verse number 1. And keep, it, keep in mind that they are, they're coming off the dominant victory over Jericho. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. So then from verse 2 down through verse 9, they go out and fight Ai in their own strength with their own wisdom because God is not going to bless his people when they're intentionally rebelling against him. And so they suffer an embarrassing defeat. We pick up, we dealt with last week, verse number 10 through 12, where Joshua is complaining to God. Why did you do this to us? When our, many times when we struggle in life, we want to ask God why he's doing something to us. In many cases, not every case, but in many cases, the consequences of our decisions are what we are struggling with, not what God is doing to us. And so we pick up in verse number, oh, excuse me, verse number 13, Joshua has prayed, God responds to him, up, sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel, thou canst not stand before thine enemies until ye take away the accursed thing from among you. In the morning, therefore, ye shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord taketh shall come according to the families thereof. And the family which the Lord shall take shall come by households. And the household which the Lord shall take shall come man by man. And it shall be that he that is taken with the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire, he and all that he hath, because he hath transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he hath wrought folly in Israel. So Joshua rose up early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken, and he brought the family of Judah, and he took the family of the Zarhites, and he brought the family of the Zarhites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought his household man by man. And Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. And Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And thus... And thus have I done, when I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment, and two hundred shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold of fifty shekels weight. Then I coveted them, and took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent, and the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran into the tent, and behold, it was hid in his tent, and the silver under it. And they took them out of the midst of the tent, and brought them unto Joshua, and unto all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver, and the garment, and the wedge of gold, and his sons, and his daughters, and his oxen, and his asses, and his sheep, and his tent, and all that he had, and they brought them unto the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why? Hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger, wherefore the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor, Unto this day. When you take the time to read it slowly and deliberately, it's a very sobering text. The title is this 
and then you can be seated. The harm of hidden sin. The harm of hidden sin. What seemed like such a small thing to Achan turned out to be far more harmful than he could have imagined. And sin, while it's not, I want to make this point clearly, it's not dealt with from the human perspective the same way today. Y'all ought to say amen right there. We ain't pulling stuff out of people's tents and throwing rocks today. The consequences of sin are no less destructive from one generation to another. The harm of hidden sin. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. The, um, uh, I believe y'all are singing How Deep the Father's Love for Us. It's a great song before a message like this. And I'm thankful for the Lord arranging these things. So as these men sing about the depth of God's love and how immeasurable it is, let God speak to your heart and encourage you with the truth.
blessing, man. Thank you very much. Praise the Lord for that truth. It's wonderful. In 2000, in the early 2000s, there was a young man by the name of Antoine Yates who was living in Harlem. And he lived maybe around the 20th, 21st floor of a high-rise apartment building. Antoine did not enjoy the neighborhoods and the crime that, was, that characterized the neighborhoods in which he lived. And so he found solace in staying inside with his pets. And he would tell authorities later that that was, that was his favorite thing to do. That was his happy place, was instead of being out in the streets and where there was violence and drugs and all sorts of other kinds of dangerous and destructive things, he found solace and he found enjoyment, and he found peace just by staying inside of his high-rise apartment with his pets. Here was the problem. One of his pets was a 500-pound tiger. Now, to no one's surprise, it was illegal to have a tiger in the apartment. <laughs> I mean, some things you don't need to spell out. <laughs> Do you allow cats? Do you allow dogs? You allow cats of the 500-pound size. I mean, you just, you would assume that people know those things. But he had a 500-pound tiger that was hidden in his apartment. I don't know how, but he kept, he kept it hidden for a while until, again, something else to no one's surprise, until the tiger attacked him one day. Now, in so many of these scenarios, the individual who is, who is harboring the what are referred to as exotic animals, they don't survive those, those kinds of attacks. I read through a number of testimonies and stories where people were killed. Thankfully, Antoine survived. His brother came and found that he had been attacked and was in a state of shock and took him to the hospital. They were so scared at first and just nervous that they told the, that they told the people at the hospital that he'd been bitten by a dog. It's a big chihuahua. <laughs> Sissy got mad. Anyway, they, they, the, the doctors and the nurses, being familiar with dog bites, were suspicious of the wounds, and so they called the police. And a police officer actually had to rappel down. They had to punch a hole in the wall, and he was able to contain the tiger, shot him with a tranquilizer, and then took him uh, to a tiger sanctuary in Antoine after spending a little bit of time in prison for breaking some laws. He got out very quickly and survived the whole tiger ordeal. The point is this, though, that there are things that we think we can hide that can come back to bite <laughs> us. I didn't have to think real deep for that one. <laughs> Now, we laugh about a 500-pound tiger in a high-rise apartment in Harlem for obvious reason. But there are things of much greater significance that the people of God can hide in their lives that can cause much greater damage than just a bite mark. Israel, as I've mentioned already, has just suffered a shocking defeat to Ai. Because of the size of Israel compared to the size of this village called Ai, because of the previously defeated Jericho and how thorough that victory was. And Israel had no business losing to them. But the difference between chapter 6 and chapter 7, the difference between their conflict with Jericho and their conflict with Ai is this, that in chapter 6, they had God's blessing because they were right with him. And in chapter 7, that blessing had been removed because of intentional and hidden sin and God would not and God could not bless the nation of Israel. No matter, I, I love this point, and I, and I don't want us to get bored with hearing this, no matter how great 
or successful we think we are. We must never lose sight of the fact that we need God's blessing in our life and that we've never gotten so big and that we've never accomplished so much and that we've never lived life so successfully that we're not capable of failing and falling and stumbling if we begin to live life in, con- in ways that are contrary to God without his blessing. So Joshua, as we dealt with last week, has prayed. Basically, his prayer was not, God, what have we done? God, help me understand and process this. His prayer was, God, what did you do and why did you forsake us? And so God says to him, what are you doing laying on the dirt? Like a child throwing a tantrum. What are you doing laying there? You need to get up. The problem is not with me. The problem is not with my commitment to you. The problem is with your commitment to me as a nation because there is sin in the camp. In verse number one, we read about that statement, but the children of Israel committed a trespass. And so in verse number 11, God tells Joshua, I can't bless my people when they're living in and harboring sin. And so he tells Joshua, beginning in verse number 13, how to deal with it. Let me just briefly run through what we read. In the morning... You're going to sanctify the nation in every tribe, but a representative from every tribe is going to pass before you. And I'm going to tell you which tribe that should be taken. And every family, a representative of every family of that tribe will then pass before you and a specific family will be taken. And then every household of that family that is taken will pass before you and a specific household will be taken. And then out of, those, out of that household that's taken, every man is going to pass before you, and you are going to know which specific man, which specific family it is that is guilty of this sin. And then you're going to take that man, you're going to take the ones who are guilty, and you are going to stone them, you're going to execute them through the method of stoning, and then you're going to take their goods, and you're going to take their bodies, and you are going to burn them with fire. So in verse number 16, Joshua does as he has commanded, as he's been commanded. And the tribe of Judah is taken. Now, put yourself in the position of Achan. I don't, I don't want us to lose the intensity of this. But it, you know what it's like when you have a lot of siblings. Or you're in a class or you're on a team and the coach or the teacher or the parent stands up and says, All right, who did this? You're like, maybe if I just sit here. I'm just going to kind of going to look at them like they're guilty. Look at them like they're guilty. But you know how it is when they start asking the right questions and they begin to eliminate people. And they begin to eliminate possibilities. And the focus gets more narrow and more narrow and more narrow. I can only imagine what Aiken must have been thinking during this time, but He's sitting there in the tent. There's this assembly. He obviously, the wheels have to be turning because Israel has suffered an unexpected and inexplicable defeat. And, and there he is, and, and he's watching all of this going on, and the tribe is, his tribe is called, well, okay, the tribe, but there are a lot of families in this tribe. And then his family is called, well, there's a lot of households. And then his household is called. And then one by one, he and others are forced to walk and come before Joshua and present themselves. And Achan is specifically pointed out. And so in verse number 19, Joshua confronts, beginning in verse 19, Joshua confronts Achan. And he says there, look with, there with me, Give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him. And tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. And so he tells him. And we'll deal with this more, the Lord willing, next week, this pattern. But he said, I saw. And then I coveted. And then I took and I hid him in my tent. There was a Babylonian garment. There were 200 pieces of silver or thereabouts. There was a wedge of gold. What the text says, and I I took all those things and I, I hid them in my tent and there they are. So Joshua sends the messengers 
they dig around in his tent. Maybe he had dug under the tent and he pulls out these possessions and he, he brings, the messengers bring them back and lay them before the Lord. So then they, they take Achan and the text is very clear in, in verse number 23, in verse number 24, they take Achan, they take his sons, they take his daughters, and they take everything that he owns, animal and inanimate object, and they bring it to this valley called Achor, named after the place where Achan was judged. And Achan is executed. Now, it seems as though, just as a side note, that his entire family was executed with him. And when you begin to study this out, there, number one, there is debate over this of, about which way people seem to lean. I'm not going to argue strong either way. I'm just going to tell you from the text and based on the use and the fluctuations from personal to plural pronouns, it sure does seem like his family was inc included in this judgment. If you look at verse number 20, excuse me, verse number 25, it says, and all Israel in the middle, and all Israel stoned him with stones. And then it says this, and burned them with fire. If you stop right there, some have tried to make the argument that it's referring to Achan being stoned, and then the them refers to the possessions and the other stuff being burned with him after he had been executed with fire. But the challenge of that is this in verse, in the end of the verse, after they had stoned them with stones. And so his entire family was brought, and there's no point to, throw, to go through an execution process with gold or with clothes or with other kind of possessions. I tend to lean on the side that his entire, his entire family suffered this fate and they were executed. Now let me give you one more side note and then I'll begin to deal with the primary point. Another side note is this. I mentioned this before the service or before the message got started, right before the men sang their song. And that's this. This was a unique judgment for a very specific situation in a very specific context. And, and I'll get into why we should not blame God for this. God was, God was not the problem in this, in this context. But this judgment is not a judgment. Well, is this just how we're supposed to deal with everything? No, aren't you thankful for grace? Aren't you thankful for the cross of Jesus Christ? Yes, and yes, and yes, and yes, and yes. Amen for all of that. So while we don't need to have this idea that, man, this is just how hard things get dealt with, we also don't need to have this idea that sin is without consequence in our life. Because here's the, here's the other side. One ditch is that you say, well, God is just going to kill people that mess up, and that's not the case. Not the case. The other ditch you can get into is, then, well, if I don't have to worry about that, there's really nothing to worry about. I can just live my life however I want. And, but the problem with that is sin has far-reaching consequences that can devastate a person's life, even if it's not some kind of execution or suffering. And so it seems to me that Achan and his children all died. Now, some can ask, in, in situations like this where there's always, where there's a severe punishment, there's always this rush to criticize God. Why did God respond in this way? Why would he allow this to be done to Achan's children? Well, let, let me deal with the aspect of his children. Number one, God made it clear in Deuteronomy 24 and in Ezekiel 18, if you ever want to go back and look those up, that the children were not to be judged for the sin of their fathers. That a person is not to be judged or executed for the crime or the sin that someone in their family committed. And God, if he's going to be God and be true to himself, he would not have violated that principle here. Now, while this isn't spelled out completely, I'm, I'm going to make two points. The first point I've already stated. Number one, God's not going to violate a principle that he's already stated by which he wants the, the nation of Israel to operate. You don't punish a child for the sin of their father. You don't punish a father for the sin of their child. You deal with the individual on an individual basis. I trust the character of God that he's not going to violate that principle. Number two... What we don't read in the text is the age of the children and their ability to participate in the sinful behavior of their father. 
Now, th- these families lived as tribes. They, they lived in very much a community way. And so even, even when a, a man or a daughter was grown, they, there was still a lot of access to what was going on. And it's very possible. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to make a huge point here. I'm just trying to help us think when we come to challenging texts like this. It's very possible that they would have consented to and participated in this deception of Achan. Because it's unlikely that he was going to hide that in a way where no one else knew what was going on in the tent. No one else saw it. No one else was aware. And so there would have been opportunity within their own family unit for this to be confronted and for him to be challenged. Whatever the case, if indeed they were all executed, then in order for God to be right, then they all had to be participating in at least the cover-up, if not the initial decision to take it but we still have this idea that man why did God deal with it that way well maybe instead of blaming God for the consequences of Achan's actions maybe we should lay the blame for Achan's actions where it should be on Achan let me ask you three questions and then I'm going to get to the point And they're okay back there. (laughs) Three questions, and we'll get to the point. Number one, was God clear in warning Israel against and forbidding them to take any spoil for themselves, specifically in this battle against Jericho? Was he clear? Crystal clear. Please look with me in chapter 6, verse number 18. In chapter 6, verse number 18, And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed when ye take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it. All the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord, and they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. But everything else is to be destroyed along with the city. This particular city is a curse, and the the precious... Metals are to be given to the treasury of the Lord. There will be plenty of battles and plenty of victories whereby you will be enriched and you will be promoted. But this is to remain only for the Lord or it's to be destroyed because it's a curse before the Lord. Because of the way the city has lived its life and conducted itself. I say this to my children when we walk through a store. Don't touch If you see something you want me to look at, that's fine. I'll come and look at it. But don't touch means exactly what you think it means. And all that 87 languages that I can say it in, or however many more languages I can say it in, it means the same thing when you're 17 as it does when you're 2. Don't touch means don't touch. And God was very clear in this text. He said, do not touch. Keep yourselves from it. You're not to have it. There was nothing ambiguous about this. Hey, no, we're going to make this point. This is good. God does not make the life of a believer confusing. God has given very clear direction and instruction for how we are to live our lives. No, I'll admit that the lives of, I'm not even talking about the lost. The lives of believers get very complicated. But that is not because the instructions are not clearly laid out. No, God is clear about how we're supposed to live our lives. God is clear about the direction we're supposed to live our lives in. God is clear about how we're supposed to pursue our lives. Is it possible for complication to arise because of our own decisions? Yes. Is it possible for complication to arise because of the decisions of others? Yes. But that is not an indictment on the simplicity of God's commands. Are you ready? Here's a command that was given before Achan ever became guilty of this. Thou shalt not covet. Look, Achan admitted it. You go back to where he was confronted. And one of the very first commands that was engraven in stone that God gave to Moses and to Achan's fathers and grandfathers was this. 
Don't covet. If you see things that I've forbidden that you do not possess, you need to be content with what I've given you. And you need to rejoice in your relationship with me and and my goodness in your life. Don't covet that which I have forbidden you to have or which I've not yet allowed you to have. Keep your focus on me. God was perfectly clear. And guess what? He's still clear today. Are you ready? This is fun. Husbands, love your wives as is just as clear today as it was when it was written in Ephesians. Wives, honor your husbands. Submit to them. It's just as clear today as it was when it was originally written. Love your neighbor as yourself is just as clear today as it was when it was originally written. Thou shalt not steal. I love how we're trying to redefine stealing today. No, if we get a bunch of people together and go break down a store and take everything, we can call it something else. No, God's instruction is still very simple, and it's clear. If you don't own it, you can't take it. Unless you agree upon a means by which you can procure it. (laughs) You're like, well, that sounds way too simple. No, it's actually not. I mean, it's really simple, and that's a good thing for us. To love, to forgive, to show kindness, to work hard, to keep ourselves from sin. These things are clearly laid out. Question number one, was God clear in his warning? The answer is yes. Question number two, did Achan ignore God's warning and take possessions that were forbidden? Did he ignore it? Yeah. 7-1, it explains it. What he did in verse 21 of chapter 7, he confesses it. I saw, I coveted, and I took them. And behold, they are hid in my tent. So often we claim ignorance. You know what Achan couldn't say? Look, look, Joshua. And there are people today, there are lawyers today who would argue this on Achan's behalf. My client did not understand what the actual definition of keep yourselves from meant. It's like a teenager. Oh, 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 when, when you said don't text, you meant, you, you meant don't type out words on my phone and hit send. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I thought maybe you were talking about how I do my reports like longhand or shorthand, and y'all don't even know what that means anymore. Like, do I print or do I do cursive? See, y'all aren't enjoying this too much, but th- th- no, these kind of arguments are made. I didn't, I didn't really, oh, I thought you meant something else. No, Aiken couldn't claim ignorance. Let's just be honest. I get there are varying degrees. I understand, and I love this, that there are varying degrees of biblical literacy and spiritual maturity. And it's exciting. Every phase is exciting. I love every part of my children's growth. I love the infant stage. I love the baby stage. I love the toddler stage. I love the child stage. I love the the adolescent and the teenage stage. And now I'm watching them enter into adulthood, and I'm just loving it. I'm not saying I love everything about it, but I love the stages of growth and development. It's wonderful to be a part of. And I love that infancy when a person comes to Christ. And I love that baby stage when they're growing from the sincere milk. And I love that adolescent stage when they're learning to take responsibility but they're kind of messing up and there's got to be a little more correction. And I love that maturing process when they become spiritual teenagers and they begin to do things well. And I love that adult stage where they take truth spiritually and they begin to invest it and apply it all around them and see God make them fruitful. I love every part of that. But here's what we do as Christians when we're guilty so often. Well, I didn't really know. I didn't, I didn't really know. Sometimes that's the case. Most often it is not. The sin we commit because of the word of God available to us and because of the spirit of God in us convicting us and telling us through his own unique way, you're not living your life right. This attitude is not right. These habits are not right. So often it's not because we are ignorant. It's because we are ignoring the conviction of God and the direction of God. Number three, last question. First question, was God clear? Number two, was Achan intentional in violating? 
Question number three, could Achan have confessed before he was confronted and judged? 100% he could have. Before they ever fought AI, he could have said, to whoever the head was and whatever the, the system of authority structure was set up, he could have gone to the tribal leaders or the tribal representatives and said, listen, Men, I, I, made a terrible, I made a terrible decision, not a mistake. I made a terrible decision. I did something that's really bad. And before our men go back into battle, before anything else happens, I need to make this right. And I'm asking for mercy. I'm asking, I, I'm asking that my family be spared. I'm, I'm, I'm asking for mercy in this. You say, well, grace wasn't a thing in the Bible. Yeah, it was. Noah found grace. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. No, you can say, well, we know what would have happened. No, we actually don't know what would have happened had he taken the initiative and confessed before it was exposed and he was confronted and judged. And he had the opportunity to make that decision. He had the opportunity to bring it into the light himself. And, and I don't buy this idea, well, he just, he just really didn't know. No, he knew. And the same hardened heart that drove him to stay Take that which God forbade is the same hard heart that by which he was motivated to keep it concealed when they were going into battle with AI. After they had suffered an embarrassing defeat and some 36 people had died. And after it was announced that there would be an assembly to deal with all of this. He had opportunity to confess it. And yet the same hard heart that drove him to do it in the first place continued to drive him to keep it as hidden for as long as he could. Look with me in Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. When you're in 28, say amen. amen. Look at verse 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. Look back up here. Look up here, please. That is not ambiguous. That is not vague. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. What we see in this text is the not prospering taken to its full extreme. Where the sin and the resulting judgment cost a man, and in my estimation, an entire family, their life, and what could have been an amazing decade or two of enjoying the promised land and living out all of the things that God had prepared for them, instead ended abruptly and shortly because of sin that was hidden, and it wasn't confessed, it wasn't dealt with, it was only dealt with when it was finally exposed to a terrible defeat and severe judgment. He that covereth sin shall not prosper. But the verse says more. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have, what's that word? Mercy. Look, I'm not going to preach an entire message on what might have happened. I'm just telling you, Achan had opportunity to confess this before it was discovered. And he did not. And according to biblical principle, the longer sin is hidden, the greater the consequences will be when it's finally exposed. Here's the statement. The sin you hide will come out to hurt you. The sin you hide, it will come out to hurt you. We laugh again about the story of Antoine. You know, why, why would that guy think he could keep a 500-pound tiger on the 20th floor or whatever it was of a high-rise apartment? I have a better question for you. Why would we think that in the tents of our lives we can conceal sin and think that one day it's not going to hurt us or cost us down the road? We say we believe in all of these things about the character of God. We say that we believe in his righteousness. We say that we believe in his wisdom and in his insight, in his omniscience, in his ability to know all. And the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. So why is it that we think we can harbor these attitudes of bitterness and it's never going to hurt us? 
Why is it that we think we can hide these, these habits of addiction, where, whether it be alcohol or drugs? Why is it that we think we can stay up late when no one is watching and we can download and view all kinds of terrible material designed only to satisfy sensual appetites and that I can just do that over and over and over again? And that, number one, it's probably, no one's ever going to find out about it. And number two, it's, it's, not going to, it's not going to hurt me. Why do, you think, why do we think that we can be one way here? And look, look, don't misunderstand this point. Please don't misunderstand this point. I do not dress like this every day of the week. Some of you are shocked to find that out, I know. <laughs> I really enjoy tennis shoes. I actually have a pair of cowboy boots. Yes. One day I might even actually get, actually get a cowboy buckle. Don't buy me one, because you won't buy the right one, I promise. <laughs> Man, I do not wear this when I am doing burpees. Not cool. Have to take my suits to the cleaner a whole lot more. I'm not talking about, oh, well, we just, we just have to always look like we're church people. No, 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 no. I'm talking about actually being a Christian. No, there are things that we do here because we assemble and because we believe God is with us and we want to show him respect and we're trying to accomplish a very specific goal. But God is with you all the time. No, God is working, trying to work in our lives all the time. And there are those who believe. No, as long as I come in and I sit in a church service and I kind of nod my head at the right time and maybe I'll even come up and put something in the offering plate that's going to appease the, the religious leaders and then I'm going to have done my good deed. And then I can just go out and I can just talk however I want and think however I want and act however I want. And there really won't be any consequences. Number one, if you're doing anything here in or to appease me, you are completely misunderstanding the way things work at this church this is not about appeasing any human number two we don't give offerings to God as some crazy angry pagan idol where we're afraid he's going to judge us if we don't put something in his plate no 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 we don't give out of fear we give out of love we give because he gave to us and it's our joy to give back to him and then to take that money and see it used to help others know him and to see his work furthered no 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 we don't do do that out of those things. We do that because we love him. But if you really love him, it's not just going to affect your life in this building. It ought to be affecting your life outside of it. So why do you think we can hide it? Why is it that husbands will hide? Why is it that wives will hide? Teenagers, look at me. In the back, look at me. Here, look at me. Teenagers, look at me. Don't look at other teenagers. You look at me right now. In each one of your lives, you will have an opportunity to hide something from the authorities that God has put in your life. In every one of your lives, you will have an opportunity to hide from them what is going on in your life. And you think you can do it successfully and without detriment or without damage. But as you heard from this text at youth camp this past summer, the things that we hide in our tents can come back to harm us if we do not deal with them. And the worst thing you can do for yourself, you, you say, you get this aching mentality. I'm just afraid of what will happen if my parents will find out. No, no, I believe this about your parents. Not that they're perfect, but that you are in families and that you are in a church family that is all about ministering the grace and the love of Jesus Christ to young people. And when we find out someone is in a struggle, when we find out someone is making a bad decision, we're not running to them in order to destroy them. We run to them to help bring them grace and to restore them to a right relationship with God but if you continue to hide those things the the consequences will be devastating and it would be better to deal with it now than trying to still deal with it when you're dealing with a marriage dealing with a career that's being interrupted the sin you hide it will hurt you. So here's the question, and then I'm done. Here's the question. What are you hiding in your tent? What are you hiding in your tent? Like, if, you're, 
If your thought right now is, man, is he talking, is he talking to me? Yes, but forget that I'm in the room for right now. Just forget about me. Because there's a God who sees into every crevice of your heart and your life. And he knows that you know there are things that should not be. This is what would be so much easier for you to say, God, I'm bringing this to you. We sing a song, I surrender. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. You know it would be a whole lot better for, and you say, what do you, I don't know about anything. Look, I'm just preaching the next part in a series. I understand this isn't the message we want to hear when we're still trying to recover from Thanksgiving leftovers. Look, trust me, it's not the message that I'm itching to preach either. But I can tell you this, and others, man, others, if you can, man, give testimony to this. It's a whole lot better to bring it before the Lord instead of it having to be brought out. Come on, somebody say amen to that if that's true. I've told my kids this, I, and I mean this. This is a standing rule in the pile house. You will always suffer far fewer consequences if you are the one to confess that something happened as opposed to me finding out that you did something and we're trying to hide it. And what is true parenting is true before God as well. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh shall have mercy. You know what? Here's the danger. I'm, here's the danger. My thing's not as bad as what Achan did. I wouldn't hide your sin based on your estimation of how bad it is. I would say, God, if you know this, if this is wrong in my life, then help me to deal with it and make it right. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. Man. Antoine. What are you doing? Antoine, what are you doing hiding a tiger in your apartment? Let me, let me turn this around. Jonathan Pyle, what are you doing hiding this in your life? No, let me, let me deal with some. What are you, as a child of God, knowing that you're being convicted over and over again? What are you doing hiding that in your life? It's an, an attitude. Maybe it's not even produced in action yet, but you continue to justify an attitude. Maybe it's a habit that hasn't gotten completely out of control, but you know it's not right. What are you hiding? You say, well, you don't understand all the details of my situation. You're right, I don't. But I do know that what we hide can come back to harm us in devastating ways. And so I want to ask you to be, just be real before God. And, and I'm not trying to talk anyone into feeling guilty about something. I believe this, that God knows whether or not, and you know whether or not. And so I'm just asking you to be responsive to him with every head bowed and every eye closed especially with a message like this. Please, nobody looking around. Just respect other people's privacy, but also be honest with God. I wonder if there'd be anyone that would raise their hand and say, Pastor, there are some things, maybe they'd be small, maybe they'd be bigger, but there are some things that I've had hidden in my life, and I need God's help to deal with them. Would you pray for me? Just raise your hand up. Yep, I see him going up. Yep, I see him going up. God bless you for your honesty. Well, let's talk to the Lord now. Let's, let's deal with the Lord. Look, some are already coming. You don't have to wait for me to say stand. You don't have to wait for us to start singing. If God has spoken to you, let's deal with the Lord this morning. You're like, I don't, I don't really see what the big deal about this is. But if it's a sin that Jesus had to die for, and if it's a sin that can produce negative consequence, then it needs to be dealt with. And if God in his mercy allowed this message to be preached on this day to deal with something that is hidden in some part of your life, then humble yourself and deal with it. Brother Nate, you begin to sing, please. Let's all stand together. If God has spoken to you, you come to him. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. This isn't a show. We're not concerned with popularity. Brother Nate, you can begin singing. We're not worried. 
We're not worried about what your neighbor's thinking. Just humble yourself before him. Bow your knee and bow your heart. But you cannot have rest or be perfectly blessed until all on the altar is laid. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the Spirit control. You can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you healed him your body and soul. Would you walk with the Lord in the light of his word and have peace and contentment always? You must do his sweet will to be free from all ill on the altar if you know that chorus sing it sing it out with brother Nate is your all on the altar a sacrifice laid your heart does the spirit control think about these words you can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you healed him your body and soul. Lord, thank you for your mercy in our lives. Thank you for the ways that you confront us and that you help us. And, and God, I, I ask that you encourage each one of your children that when you confront sin, it is because you love your people. You will defend your holiness, but God, you also care for people. And I pray that you would help each one of us to be willing to submit to you when areas of our life get out of order and that we'd bring that to you and not hide it, Lord, and allow you to deal with it in your grace and in your goodness. Thank you for the time this morning. Thank you for your people. Please bless uh, the time this afternoon and then the services tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.